The following audio is from West Pines Community Church. For more information about West Pines, visit us online at westpines.org. You can join us live Sunday mornings at 9, 1030, or 12 in Pembroke Pines, Florida, or online at westpines.org. I hold in my hands something that has truly been gifted to humanity from God, okay? I don't know, like, where it says it in the Bible, but I'm pretty sure there was a point in history where these boxes descended from heaven and were entrusted to the Girl Scouts. I'm holding a box of Thin Mints. And um, I, I intend later uh, this week, the second week of February, I always give a box of Thin Mints to my beautiful wife. You saw my beautiful, uh, very pregnant wife up here leading, helping to lead worship. And um, I, I give a box of Thin Mints to my wife the second week of February every year. Um, and I give Rebecca those for a few reasons. First of all, um, it is never a bad idea to give a loved one a box of Thin Mints. That's just the truth across the board. Secondly, I believe that this is one of the secrets to keeping the fire alive in your marriage, okay? (laughs) Gifting these to your spouse. But thirdly, um, it is um, the second week of February is Rebecca and my um, anniversary of getting to be here at West Pines. In fact, we're celebrating 13 years this week of getting to be here at our church that we love. Thank you. It is our, our joy. And so I, I, there's a story behind the Thin Mints. You see, I will never forget that very first Sunday. Um, I was 23 years old and um, terrified. And I remember I stood up there and they, they, I was going to preach, but they first they brought us up and they wanted us to share a couple words. And so they hand me the mic and I think the mic was, was shaking, okay? And I, I don't even remember what I said. I doubt it was coherent, but it was this stumbling and stammering, okay? And then I handed the mic to Rebecca, and she, with all of the poise and grace, eloquently just addressed the whole church, said everything that I wished I had said, and I'm like, boy, I'm glad that you're standing here next to me. And then I looked back out at the congregation, and I saw this look of confusion, like, could we have her on staff instead of you, okay? And so I went ahead and I, I preached that weekend, and then afterwards was uh, going to be a luncheon. And so we get in the car, we're on our way to luncheon, and I'm so um, emotionally depleted at this point that on the way to the luncheon, we pulled through Publix, I got out of the car, bought a box of Thin Mints, and proceeded to eat an entire sleeve of Thin Mints on the way to a luncheon, Okay. And I have no regrets over that decision. But every year at this time, I give Rebecca a a box of Thin Mints as a thank you for how faithfully she has served alongside of me and sharing this calling and and to honor her for how she has walked alongside me and served and all that she's poured into our church. And so um, that idea of honoring is something that I want to share with you from the, the Scripture Because the idea of honoring is a behavior that, frankly, our world really doesn't know what to do with. Sometimes they completely neglect it. 
Sometimes they, they do it completely wrong. They don't know how to handle the behavior of honoring. But the idea of honoring is one of the most powerful behaviors you can let loose in every sphere of your life. Home, work, friend group, your church, your, your, your small group ministry team. Like it's one of the most powerful behaviors. And of all people, we are repeatedly commanded to honor each other in the scripture as a church because we have a greater foundation to understand how to honor than anyone else on planet Earth. And so as, you're, as we're thinking through what are going to be our priorities to think about this year, my hope is that we can release this behavior of honoring, not only throughout our church, but throughout our families, and take that into our places of work and into the spheres that we're in, because that can truly be a powerful work here in our city. And so I want you to check out, we're going to look at this uh, really one verse and unpack it. It's Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 10. We're actually, we're just going to look at verse 10. So open in your Bibles, Romans 12, verse 10. Here's what it says. Love one another with brotherly affection. Now watch this. Outdo one another in showing honor. I love the way it puts that. I, I want to break this apart a little bit. Um, it, it talks about love. You know, we expect the Bible to talk about love. You know, love is not this affection that just um, strikes us. It's not an emotion. Love is the decision, the commitment, the choice to set someone else first, to sacrifice for them. That's what love is. That's, it's something that, that sometimes our culture struggles to understand. The love is not something that strikes us. It's not something we fall into and fall out of like it's an accident. Love is a choice, a decision to put someone else before yourself. We're not surprised the Bible tells us to love. It actually then says brotherly affection. We want to stir up that affection for each other. Whether it's here at church, in our families, in our friend groups, we want to stir up that affection. But then it says this, it says outdo one another in showing honor. I think that is, excuse me, that is one of the things that stirs up affection and expresses love the best. So let's break this apart. What do we mean by honor. What, what, what are we talking about with honor? Write this down in your journal. Here's three words I want you to remember regarding honor. What is honor? First, honor is respect. Second, honor is serving. And third, honor is recognition. Honor is respect. Honor is serving. And honor is uh, recognizing. I want you to remember those three things. We have more of an excuse. We have more of a reason. We have more of the, the pieces inside of us as God's people. We have more of those pieces to express honor than anyone else. Why? Because of our, what we believe. First and foremost, we believe that every person is made in the image of God. Maybe you've heard that before. Can you hear it like it's the first time you've ever heard that? The creator, inventor of all that is, 
the most glorious, most beautiful, most powerful, most holy, invented one part of his creation to reflect his image, humanity. That means every human you see carries a piece of that unbelievable, precious image of God. So this is one of those reasons that the world, it can't understand this, because the world, if they don't hold that doctrine, then we out in the world, what ends up happening is it's this entire like fight for who's superior. It's this fight for, am I more superior than that person? Do I have more experience? Do I have more education? Do I have more gifts and skills? Am, is that person, am I, am I uh, in a better place on the economic level, racial level, uh, age level? It's all about which, which is more superior. But our fundamental belief is that every human being is made in the image of God. So we show dignity and respect to every single human being. Do you agree with that, church? We show respect to every single human being, regardless of gender, regardless of age, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of background, economically, politically, spiritually. We show respect. It comes out of our belief. It's part of how we show honor. We don't just overlook someone, look down at someone, mistreat someone. That someone is made in the image of God. So there's respect. The second thing comes from what we believe. What do we know about what Jesus did on the night he was betrayed, arrested, mistreated, mocked, beaten, injustice leveraged against him, falsely accused, spit upon, stripped naked, whipped within an inch of his life, placed a crown of thorn on his heads and on his head and his arm his his arms and legs nailed to a wooden cross left there to die. What did he do that night? On the one night he could have looked at his followers and could have said, "Guys, I've got a rough night ahead of me. I could really use you kind of pouring into me right now." What did he do? He got up from the table. He took off his cloak, tied it around his waist. He went and got a bowl of water and he got down on his knees before each of his disciples and he took off their sandals with their grimy, dirty, dusty feet and the savior of the universe, the one that deserves most honor and glory and respect, the one whose name is above every name, got on his knees and washed their feet like the lowliest servant. To their shock. And he said, what you've seen me do here today, do to each other. Foundation for what we believe is respect. The next thing, so we see everyone, we see a person, we see that person is in the image of God. But the second part of respect, we see that person and we see that person as an opportunity to serve. Because Jesus told us to do that. But Jesus didn't just, you know, God doesn't just sit back and say, hey, I love humanity. He didn't just sit back and say, like, I, 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 you know, my heart is to serve humanity. What did he do? He came, he came down to earth and died on a cross to save us from our sins. See, the third part is, 
It is respect, it is serve, and the third part is recognize. You can't honor someone fully, silently to yourself, can you? To honor someone is to outwardly do it. To honor someone at very least is to pull them aside, look them in their eyes, and tell them how much you acknowledge their value, acknowledge their contribution to your life, and to actually say words of encouragement. Until it comes out, is it really honor? It's writing a note. That's one of the best things you can do to show honor is write a note because you're memorializing your words in print so they can go back and look at that note. And that, that's an act of, it, it, that takes time. That's a service to write that note. Honor is something that's, be, that's recognized. Honor is something that's done publicly. It's stopping in front of the office or in front of the ministry team or in front of the family and publicly giving honor to someone and acknowledging their value. Honor is outward. What do we believe? Christian, you sit across from brothers and sisters in Christ who God saw as so valuable that he didn't stay in heaven. He came to earth and expended the most costly, precious offering to win their souls. The blood of Jesus. We honor because everyone is worthy. Every human being is worthy of respect and dignity. We honor because, um, because we are called to serve, and we honor because our brothers and sisters, the blood of Jesus purchased them. That's how valuable they are. We have more reasons to honor than anyone in, in the history of the world. The church should be the best at honoring. It's, that's what honor is. You notice it says, outdo one another in showing honor. Honor. I love how it's worded here. Did you see what it says? Outdo each other. Try to outdo each other. It's basically saying, have an honoring competition among each other. We're, we're uh, drawn to competition, aren't we? We're drawn to it. When, when, there's something that's comp- when something gets competitive, there's a little bit of extra motivation in it, right? Um, I realized um, a key tactic with my kids recently, I, I realized that if I ask them just to do something, sometimes I get pushback and then I have a, a discipline issue. But recently I tried this with my son. I said, um, hey buddy, I bet you can't go get your shoes from your room in less than 40 seconds. He's like, what? I said, one, two, three, and he just takes off running, okay, gets his shoes full. I beat you, Dad. I beat you. I want. There's something motivating about competition, isn't there? The irony about this phrase is what's motivating about competition is competition gives an opportunity to win. We want that. Why? Because with winning, we get honor. And here's what he says here. It's beautiful. He turns it on his head and says, what if your competition is giving honor? What if you're competing? What if what you let loose in your workplaces, in your friend groups, in your family, and in your church is the competition of how can I honor you more than you honor me? I love how he turns it on his head like that. And here's the third thing that he says. He says, "Um, outdo one another. See, honoring is not just for some people, when it comes to the Christian because of what we believe, when it comes to the house of God, the family of God, honoring is 360 degrees. We honor those next to us. We honor those that lead us. 
We honor those that we lead. It's 360 degree honoring. And that's one of the key pieces that our culture so often misses. There's two reasons that our culture often doesn't understand how to honor. The first is we have a culture of hero worship, don't we? So we have certain people, whether they're professional athletes, musicians, celebrities, figureheads, we have certain people that we elevate and have hero worship towards. And by the way, they're often not the people that should most be honored. But we do that to the neglect of others. So for example, um, the, the Super Bowl this past week, it pains me to even bring it up because of the Patriots' victory, okay? Oh, man, could we have some people escort those people out, whoever they were? I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. We honor everyone. We honor everyone. Even the lowest of the low. No, I can't believe I said that. That's terrible of me. Okay, we honor everyone. All right. So the, in, in the discussion, this happens every year when it comes to the, the Super Bowl. Every year, it's not two teams or two organizations against each other. It ends up, they reduce it down to two like individuals every time. So I was watching and there was someone that was like, man, I, I'm, I'm bummed because the Saints weren't in there against the Patriots because I wanted to see Drew Brees versus Tom Brady. And you know if it had been that, that's what it would have built. I mean, everyone had been talking about, is it Drew Brees or is it Tom Brady? But football is one of the most thoroughly saturated team sports there is. It's not golf. It's not two people. There's actually multiple teams within the team. There are dozens of players contributing, unlike any other sport. It's not just two people. And what ended up happening? It ended up being about, the, the story was about two coaches, a young coach and a seasoned coach. We have a way in our culture of hero worshiping, of worshiping just one celebrity or one figure to the detriment of 360 degree honor. This happens in the marketplace as well. I was talking to a, a friend who's an executive at a, a local company that has an inter international reach and was talking about how he, he, the person he reports to, the CEO, he says is just such a difficult person to work with. And was telling me, man, that, that CEO is just so full of pride and arrogance, just all about himself. And he said that what made it so bad was there was a training for the whole company and they brought in this like famous leadership coach. And the leadership coach steps up and starts to open it up, starts praising this, the CEO introduces him, and then the, leader, the leadership coach gets up and just starts pouring praise on this CEO. And all of the people that were sitting there listening were saying, you pretty much just lost all credibility on what you're about to teach us on leadership. Why? That's in our culture. We like to praise, we, we do hero worship. But the problem is sometimes we either do that, way overblown for just one piece, or we find the opposite extreme where there's no honor in, the, in a false view of humility. Well, I don't, I mean, we, we don't honor anybody because we think that it's more pious, more godly to just be humble. So we're afraid to honor someone. We're afraid, sometimes that seeps into the church. We're afraid to honor someone in the community or someone in our church community. We're afraid to honor them because we feel like we're lifting up a human. 
But what we're constantly commanded to do is honor in 360 degrees. That's a false view of humility to not honor each other all the way around. We are called to honor. Okay, so what does this look like? I, I want to walk this out into the different segments of our life because if we can release this value of honor, it could be one of the most powerful things to hit your marriage, your family, your friend group, your workplace. It could be a powerful thing to release into our church. I want to talk through this. It's 360 degrees. I want you to think in three different ways. I want you to write this down. Here's the first one. We honor, as we're thinking 360 degrees, those that the world thinks are lowly. I want to read this verse here out of 1 Corinthians 12, 23. Um, Here's what it says. Go ahead and pull that verse up. It says this, And on those parts of the body, it's talking about the church, that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. In other words... There are people that in every other sphere of their life, they may be overlooked, but they're not going to be overlooked at their church. That's not the way it's supposed to be. There are people that maybe the rest of the world overlooks, but we're going to honor. We're going to take this honor out and we're going to honor those people. Have you ever, um, if you've ever waited tables as a server you know what it's like to be treated with dishonor. Christians, I mean, as we sit at a table and someone's waiting on us, that's a human being made in the image of God. The rest of the world may not have the belief system to support honoring that person, but we do. We honor. There's employees at your work that maybe their function, they do the type of work that other people don't recognize and honor, but you are going to take into your workplace the compulsion to honor those people. That person, maybe they're taking out the trash, and you say, you know what, let me help you, man. Thank you for what you do. I don't know if anyone ever says this to you, but thank you for what you do. Why? Because we have the belief system that supports honoring all the way around. We constantly show honor. There's some things that are easy to think about honoring. So, for example, um, our our worship pastor, Josh Bramos, when I hear Pastor Josh sing, I mean, I'm like, man, how does that happen? Like, how does that come out of his... That's unbelievable. Isn't he awesome? Don't you love hearing Pastor Josh? He's incredible. And so and that's the same with our whole band and, and all of our vocalists. They're, they're so gifted. It's easy to see that and to just lift those people up and want to honor them. And they should be honored. We should honor them for how they're gifted. But there are people that have been serving on the coffee team for almost 10 years. Yes, that's right. Because some of you would not make it through the service awake, okay? You owe your spiritual development to those coffee people, all right? Find those coffee people. They're carrying the coffee in. I mean, they're worthy of honor. It's 360 degrees. There may be the type of function that other organizations, other spheres will miss, but not us. We will honor in 360 degrees. There's a parking team that helps you find a place to park. Yes, please. And... That's actually kind of a nice job in February. 
in August, not so much, okay? Like, we're going to be an organization, and the church is going to be carriers of a culture of honor, taking that into every sphere. There's no one that we're not going to honor. It's 360 degrees. But it's not just those that the world looks on as lowly or those that the world may pass over. It's not just lowly. It's also we honor laterally. Second one to write down. We honor those we work alongside of. There's a passage in 1 Peter to husbands. It says, husbands, honor your wives as co-heirs with you. As in like, in other words, through Jesus, we've been made sons and daughters of God. As a co-heir, honor your wives. And then it says this, husbands, that your prayers will not be hindered. Can I shoot straight with you for a second? I'm not 100% sure what that means, but it terrifies me, okay? I want you to think about this, men. God is your heavenly father, but that also means he's your heavenly father-in-law. I hear only feminine laughing right now. That means he cares, men, about how you treat his daughter. Honor your wives. Your sons are learning how to treat a woman by watching you. And there's a broken idea of masculinity in our culture that thinks it's more manly to treat a woman like an object, something to collect. We have to be a force for redeeming honor. Men, your daughters are watching how you treat your wife. And you are normalizing for those little girls what they should expect on how they should be treated. And if they see a perpetual picture of a man that lifts up a woman, they will want nothing to do with a boy that doesn't respect them. Men, honor your wives. If only there was like something on the calendar, like an event or a holiday coming up that would just kind of jumpstart us. You know what I'm saying, okay? I'm concerned because some of you men are like, I don't know what you're talking about, man. (laughs) What? Don't ask your wife. Okay, it's Valentine's Day, okay? Ladies, honor your husbands. Like spouses, how we talk about our spouses in front of other people, in front of our kids, when we talk about our spouses, is it a punchline or is it honoring? Ladies, how you talk about your husband in front of them and behind their back and to, their, to your children, make it only words of honor and respect. Men, how you talk about your wives in front of other people, behind their back, in front of your children, only use words that are honoring and respect. Honor your wives, men. Ladies, honor your husbands. How about honoring laterally in the workplace? In our workplace, the person next to us is is only our competition, right? 
And that com- competition in the workplace that's so often there breeds more competition. But what if you took the competition of I am going to outdo them showing honor to my coworkers laterally. Why? Because I'm so confident that my career is in the hands safely of King Jesus that they're not my competition. Show honor laterally. And here's the third thing. We show honor to those the world sees as lowly. We show honor to those laterally, and we show honor to leaders. Let me read you a couple verses here. The first one is out of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2. Let's bring it up here on the screens. Here's what it says. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. We are commanded to honor our parents. And honestly, man, that's not easy all the time. Our parents are imperfect people. Our parents, because every set of parents, every single one is imperfect. There are wounds. There are things we're processing through. There's things we're working out because of parents. But can I encourage you? Your children are learning how to handle parents by watching how you handle your parents. You are teaching your children how to treat you as they watch how you talk about, care for, forgive, honor your parents. You're training them on how to handle parents. Honor your parents. What is honor? It's respecting them, serving them, recognizing them, looking for an opportunity publicly in front of your children and family to find a way to publicly honor them. We're commanded in Scripture. You say, wow, man, that was brutal. Um, Not as brutal as this next one for some of you. We honor all leaders. Look at this in 1 Peter 2.17. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the, what does that say? The emperor. Who was the emperor when Peter was writing this? It was Nero. Pretty much the worst emperor maybe in history. A terrible human being, Nero was. Almost nothing redeemable about him, character-wise, effectiveness, in any capacity. In fact, Peter was eventually um, executed By Nero, the very guy a few years earlier, Peter said to honor. We are called to honor the civic leaders in our cities, our state, in our country. That doesn't doesn't matter if you're Republican or Democrat. It doesn't matter if you like the previous president, current president, future president, irrelevant. It doesn't matter whether you voted for someone or didn't vote or didn't vote at all. It doesn't matter. It is a command, Christian Honor the emperor, period. Honor the emperor. And some of you might say like, some of you might say, I like the current leaders and leadership, so I'm glad. Well, one day the day is going to come when you don't like the current leadership and you are commanded by Scripture to honor. Why? 
Because every person is made in the image of God. They're an opportunity to serve. And we're called to publicly recognize that person. Honor. And here's the last one. We're honoring civic leaders in our community. Oh, before I move on. Also have to honor the leaders in, in the marketplace. You gotta honor your boss. You say, you don't understand my boss. I'd rather have Nero, actually, than my boss. You're called to honor. Christian, you are to carry this value and this virtue into every place. Honor your leaders. Honor those in leadership, like you honor those laterally and honor those that the world overlooks. Here's the last leader that we think through this category. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 13. It says this, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Here's what it's saying. I want you to think back to a person in your life at some point. Maybe it was a youth leader, maybe it was a mentor, maybe it was a Sunday school teacher or a kids' church worker. I want you to think back to someone who spiritually worked, labored in your life. Because that was a labor. Do you know that spiritual leadership is the most taxing type of leadership because it's emotionally and physically expending like every other type of leadership? but it's spiritually expending as well. Maybe one of the best things you could do is to honor that person who's invested in you from your past that you don't see anymore. by write, Maybe you write them a letter and just remind them and thank them and honor them. Honor those who spiritually lead you. Small groups. You have, um, you have a small group leader and a host home. I, I want to help you know how to handle that. You Honor them. At the end of this next small group session, here's what I want you to do. I want you to secretly behind the scenes get a card together, have everyone in the group write in the card. I think you should probably also collect some money, send them out to dinner with their spouse on a gift card or whatever. Why? Because attending a small group is difficult. I mean, you're exhausted on your way home from work. You're, you've got like all the things, I got to do this at home, and get the kids ready, blah, blah, blah. And it's exhausting to get to small group, and that's hard to do. That takes commitment, but it's worth the commitment. But those who are hosting you had all of that, and they got the house ready, pretty much. Your small group leaders, they did all of that, and they've been praying for you, arranging care for you, and preparing to facilitate a discussion. Honor that spiritual labor. Your ministry teams, you, have a, you're, you serve on a ministry team. Hopefully, if West Pine's your church home, you found a place to serve. Your ministry team leader, every time they pull a, a team, to, a group together for a group meeting, they're going to honor you. They're going to thank you. They're going to lift you up. They're going to appreciate you. But let's make it a competition of you trying to outdo honoring them. Find a way to honor them for the spiritual labor they've poured over you. Here's what I would say as, a, as one of your pastors and as a, as a staff member, man, it is our joy to serve you and you honor us. So you do such a good job, church, of honoring your leadership, your pastors and staff. 
If you were to ask us, how can we best honor you? Here's what I think you would hear across the board from all the staff. Honor our spouses and our kids. This past week, I was invited down to one of our, our partner churches down in Miami. They have a, a, they're a large church. They have a big staff. And they um, asked me to come down and share with their staff. And they said, look, we want to, to make sure we're doing a good job of caring for our staff families. And so they said, you're a PK, a pastor's kid. So you grew up in a ministry family, and now you're in the ministry and have a ministry family. Can you just share from your perspective? And uh, I was honored to share because some of you know my, my dad's a pastor. He's done ministry here in South Florida for decades. And I, I love my parents, respect them, so honored to, to grow up in their home. But growing up in a ministry home has its advantages and has its obstacles. Because uh, there was a point in my life as a child no one ever said this to me. My parents certainly never said this to me, but there was a point in time when I realized my parents who go all around the world teaching best practices in parenting, what I realized is I could single-handedly torpedo their ministry. I was thinking, I wield incredible power over my parents right here. And honestly, that type of pressure can break a child. Because that child has its own journey with the Lord. And I, I'm, I'm so grateful by the grace of God and by my parents' wisdom that I avoided feeling the, the deep weight of that pressure. But what I do know is all of our ministry family kids, they have incredible opportunities. They have advantages. They get a front row seat to transformation and all that's happening in the church. But there's also obstacles. Like, for example, my son will almost never witness what it looks like for a father to wake up on Sunday morning and take his family to church. Because by the time he wakes up, I've already been here for hours. And so the best thing that we can do together, church, is make this the safest, most encouraging uh, place for staff families, and especially staff spouses. I was watching um, a couple of our staff spouses, two moms whose husbands serve here as staff, and they were walking in, and I don't know what it is, but like all of us staff families, we have like a lot of kids, like we're all big families. I don't know if there's something in the water here at the office. I don't know what it is, okay? But like I saw two of these moms, and their husbands had already been here all day, serving all morning, and um, they're walking in with like their horde of children, okay? And I looked at one of them, and it was in the back before one of the services, there's all the empty seats here, and I, I looked at her and I said, hey, I just wanted to make sure you know you leading this group right here, and I was pointing to your kids, is much more difficult than leading this group. And I pointed to all the chairs. Because our, our staff spouses, man, they give, what you'll hear from us as staff, they give probably, they give more than even the staff do. Our, our staff spouse, some of them are single parents every single weekend coming to church. And so what I know is I've watched my wife, Rebecca, there's probably not a single other person that has sown more, sacrificed more, given more for her church in its history than Rebecca. That's why I give her <laughs> the greatest gift I can think of. 
If there was something more valuable than this, I would give it to her every year, some Thin Mints. But here's what I want to encourage you, what I want to release into our culture, a culture of honor, freely honor, generously honor, 360 degree honor. Honor those who spiritually labor over you. Even more so honor their families. Uh, Honor those who you serve alongside of and work alongside of. Honor your spouses. Honor those who you lead. Honor those that the world overlooks. Release that honor. And church, one last thing. There's one that we will honor with every breath that we have above all others. There's one we exist to honor. It's why the enemy hates honor. Because there's none for him. It's all saved for one. There's one name. It's it's the name above every name. It's the name that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and tongue will confess. It, It is the one who came down to earth to spill his blood for our salvation because there is no other way to be saved but in the name of Jesus. There is one name we will give our lives to honor and it is Jesus Christ. When we gather, you know when we gather to sing, it's not fundamentally for you. It's not like, hey, do I like this song? I do. All right, I will sing. It's not about whether the music's too loud or too soft, too new or too old, too fast or too slow, too memorable, too new. It's not about that. We're singing to honor Jesus. We get mobilized and rallied and we give our lives to honor Jesus. We, we, we preach sermons and we hear sermons and we apply sermons and we, we work it out in our lives to honor Jesus. May we be a people that know how to honor and first and foremost know how to honor our Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's how I want to close today. There's some of you that would be here and you'd say, look, Jesus is not, he's a piece of my life, but he's he's not the main piece of my life. Do you realize what he's done for you? He's done everything. He's the only one that's able to save you, and he did it. Gave his life, the one that deserved all the honor, absorbed all the dishonor so that you could be saved. And it is our joy to spend our lives, our eternity bringing honor to him. But maybe today you need to give your life to him and put your faith into all that he's done for you. And so I want to lead you in a prayer of salvation where once and for all you can find salvation in Jesus. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? If that's you, you say, look, I'm ready to take that step. I want to follow Jesus. I want to give my life, to spend my life bringing honor to him. Then whether you're watching online or you're here, just pray this simple prayer right there in your seat. Just say, Jesus, just silently repeat these words silently in your heart to God. Just say, Jesus, thank you for loving me that much. 
Thank you for coming to die for me. I believe you rose from the dead. And I know it is your sacrifice that saves me. You paid for my sin. Now I give you my life. I want to honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more resources and to check out other teaching series, please visit our website at westpines.org. If you would like to speak to somebody about beginning a relationship with Jesus or ask any questions you have about this teaching, please call at 954-432-0321. Or you can email us at podcast at westpines.org.